You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. So you can take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And um, we're continuing and bringing an end to this message series that we've been in over the last number of months, Gloriously Generous. And it has been a a sermon series that, that we have been working through, and each sermon has had various symbols representing the various topic, and, and uh, there you see it at the bottom of the screen, and you see the different ones, and you see that last one on the bottom left. Each message we have examined God's amazing generosity to us, and because of God's amazing generosity to us, there is a subsequent response on our behalf. There is a way that we respond to his amazing love and his generosity. And so we've been looking at that. But we've been spending three weeks. Today is the third week that we're going to be spending on grace giving. What does it mean to be a generous grace giver? And we've been looking at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And it is important that we think biblically when it comes to giving, when it comes to our money. And and when it comes to our generosity, you see, rarely does one ever drift into being a generous, grace-giving follower of Jesus Christ. We will naturally drift the other way. We will naturally drift toward hoarding and greed and covetousness and selfishness, and we will give if it makes us feel good or if there is a motive behind it that will further us. And so that's the way that our natural flesh will take us. And so we need God's word. We need God's word biblically to guide us in understanding biblically a relationship that we are to have to our finances and to our generosity. So it's important we think, think biblically on this. And, and we think biblically to counteract a lot of the bad teaching and misunderstandings that are out there. I'm going to give you a couple reasons why we need to think biblically. And, and, and the first one is to counteract the bad teaching and misunderstandings. And sadly, some of these characters that you'll see on the screen have embarrassed and shamed the name of Jesus through their prosperity teaching, their extravagant lifestyle, and, and you know just how they declare, Jesus wants you to be rich, have a nice car, a big house, live a great lifestyle, just like us. Or they declare or desire for you to send in some seed money, send it in by faith, $10, $100, $1,000, and expect and speak into existence, or by positive confession, a return, a return on that $10 of 100 a return of 100 dollars of a to a thousand dollars or you give a a thousand dollars and expect ten thousand dollars or hundred thousand whatever it might be and then we'll also send you some miracle spring water for that healing that you need in your life i mean these are greed driven heresies and they make a mockery of the name of jesus christ in the church there have been people all over the years that, that I have been in ministry that I've talked to who are, who are afraid or unwilling to even come into a church, to attend a church, because they think the church, the pastor, the ministry is, is just out after their money. They're just out after a percentage. You're forced to give. And sadly, people have been hurt they have been misled. They've been taught badly. They've been taught poorly in this area. And, and it, at times, people, it just causes them to laugh cynically and just think, well, what a joke. And, and to categorize then, sadly, all Christians and, and churches and pastors and ultimately the name of Jesus in being just out after your money. 
And it's so important that we think biblically on this. This is why we're spending the amount of time on it that we are in how we give that we think biblically. And you see, there's many good causes for us to give to. But as believers, we are primarily, our focus is to be about the gospel and about the mission of God. And so we want to give first and foremost and primarily to that. And God's word teaches, and we don't have time to go into it in this series, maybe in a future time that we can look at that, look at this, but when it comes to our generosity, when it comes to generous grace giving, the first place we ought to give sacrificially, generously, intentionally, cheerfully, regularly is to the local church. Some of the passages on the bottom of the screen, I'd encourage you to write those down and, and you can study those. And, and, and there we see that the church is God's institution, that God created, that God made, and he has ordained the church to carry out the work and the ministry of the Great Commission, to make disciples, to go into all the world. And, and the church is where we see the unfolding purposes of God at work in equipping and preparing people for ministry as Christ builds his church. However, sadly, and very sadly, probably over the last century especially, churches and denominations have, have lost their way, I guess you could say, getting very inward focused, be, being about the, the three Bs, buildings, bodies, and bucks. And so oftentimes, churches can become so obsessed with that. Oftentimes, going into a large debt to, to cover the building expansion or to make large buildings that, that end up just becoming such an important part of their ministry. Not that buildings are bad, but they can become such a great focus. And churches can become very kind of ingrown. And as a result, especially again in the last hundred years or so, we've seen the rise of parachurch organizations and missions. And these are good works doing a great work. Many of them are. And yes, it is good and it is great and necessary for us to support causes like this because I believe in many ways the church, we, we've dropped the ball in this. And so there's good causes, there's good missions causes and parachurch organizations and, and, and organizations like Compassion that, that feeds the hungry and it connects them to a church and, and is very gospel-centered. And so we must be careful where we are directing our money. But once again, prayerful in that and wise as we give. And my prayer, and I believe also too as the elders, we are discussing it this past week, it is our hope that, that for Hope Church here in Kelowna, and yes, even in this season, that we would grow in becoming generous conduits of God's grace in our finances. That we wouldn't be hoarders. That we wouldn't be self-centered individually and for us as a church. And even your leadership is taking time to say, where are ways and where are... are some, some directions that we can come behind and support financially and we can get behind and encourage. And, and, uh, and, and this is something we want to be growing in our own generosity, not just calling us as individuals to do it, but for us as a church to own this as well. You see, I, in, in so many ways that, that, that this year of all years, wouldn't it be amazing if we just saw an unleashed greater generosity towards the work of God here at Hope Kelowna. Towards helping those who are in need for training and equipping people for ministry and making disciples in church planting and in missions. Another reason why we need to think biblically when it comes to our finances and generosity are because of the blessings and the promises associated with giving. 
The subject of money oftentimes makes people uncomfortable. And quite honestly, doing this series and, and preaching to a camera and knowing that you're on couches and you might be out enjoying some nice weather and watching this service or wherever you might be watching, it's almost a little easier because when you preach live and you're looking at faces, you see this kind of squirming and just like, oh, I'm really uncomfortable. I think I better go to the bathroom again, you know, sort of thing, just because it can be a kind of an uncomfortable topic. And so, but, but there are so many blessings that it would be a ministry malpractice for me not to share this with you because there are blessings and promises from God that are for you, that are for your family, that for your neighborhood, for our city, for this region, for Central Okanagan, for Western Canada, and in the world. And you can't afford to miss out on this. I can't afford to miss out on this. And we're going to see today some of these blessings. And you see, God is concerned about our material needs, and he promises to take care of his children. And yet, this, in this unprecedented season for us with this pandemic, it is vital, more vital than ever, because we don't know economically what things are going to look like. We don't know what's going to happen fully to our investments and retirement and all of these different things. And we need to be examining God's word and cling to the promises that God is with us and God is for us and God will take care of us. And then we position ourselves under God's blessing so that we can experience his promises in this area. And we are so grateful as, as leaders and, and for me as your pastor at Hope Kelowna that this year, 2020, has been an encouraging year on the giving front thus far. And April saw very strong giving. And, and there are some details about a financial update in the e-news that came into your inbox on Friday. I encourage you to read that. Not now, but later on at the end uh, of our time here this morning. And, and we praise God for that. But I believe there's so much more. We're just kind of at the tip of the iceberg in this area. And there's so much more that God wants to do, I believe, in this area. Third reason to think biblically about this is that we are all accountable. That one day, we will all stand before God. God's word tells us that as his children, as believers in Jesus Christ, that one day we will stand before God. And we will give an account of our lives before him for the words that we have spoken and the actions that we have lived out. Now, these verses aren't going to be on your screen, so I'm going to say them a little slowly. I'll say them twice and encourage you to write them down. 2 Corinthians 5.10, 2 Corinthians 5.10, Matthew 12.36, Matthew 12.36, and Romans 14.12, Romans 14.12. Now, these are just some of the verses that speak about us one day, each individually standing before God and giving an account for our lives. And this account will include what we did with our money. And what we did with the money that has passed through our hands in the time that we were here on this earth. And yes, I know and I understand we all need to eat out. But do we need to eat out all the time? Or as much or as often as we do? We all need to drink coffee. Well, some of us do. We need that morning coffee or we need that midday coffee. Or, but do we really need coffee that's costing us 4 or $6 for a cup? Yes, we need clothes, but do we need closets full of clothes, full of brand name clothing? Again, these are important questions. Yes, we need cars and trucks, we need vehicles, but do we need the latest model? Do we need the most expensive? 
Are we good stewards of our money? We have to do a heart check. We have to look at our lives in this way because we are only the stewards. We are only the managers. God owns it all, and one day we will give an account. And so we must be careful how we spend the resources that God gives us, and so this is why this is important. So today, we're going to close off this series and, and uh, by closing out chapter 9 as well. We're going to pick it up in verse 6, encourage you to follow along. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Man, that is just chock full of promises. But we're going to stop there and we're going to encourage you to write down the following. Generous, grace-filled giving results in personal promises from God. Personal promises for the individual, for the family. These are promises from God. Now remember, you have to understand in the New Testament, we're living in New Testament, in New Covenant time, there is no God tax. There is no tithe, no percentage in the New Testament. But we are to give generously. And we've talked about that in previous weeks. Not because we have to, not as a good work and try to earn our way or buy our way into heaven, but we give because of God's grace. And because of his, it all starts, it's all motivated because of his amazing grace towards us. And our giving, our generosity is an outflow of that love. And as we give generously to God, there, is, there are promises of abundance and blessings and provision. Abundant blessing and provision are ours as we give to God. These are some of the promises. Look what it says in verse 6. So bountifully reap a harvest that is bountiful. Verse 10, he, God, will multiply your seed. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way. And there's more promises in here. But this is the law of the harvest. You sow and you reap. Now, as I've been telling, told you in the last number of weeks, and especially last week, that, that something this time of year gets farmers and gardeners kind of excited. Because they get into the fields, they get into the backyard garden, or they get onto the acreage, and they start planting. And last week, I showed you some pictures that just put a smile on my face and a lump in my throat on the good old days on the Saskatchewan farm. And here you see the crop going into the field. The crop, the field is being planted. And then, what, and that is in the month of May, but then in September, and the harvest is always later. This, oh, oh that's a great picture. Look at that full hopper of wheat and... Oh, man, that was just, my dad's driving it, and oh, just so good. Love that picture. And then the next one here is the wheat that is coming off of the combine, going into the truck, and being put into the storage bins. And this is so amazing, the law of the harvest. Because I checked with my dad this past week, and we farmed 640 acres. Not a big farm by any stretch of the imagination, especially today. But he would put, in the springtime, in the month of May, he would put hundreds of bushels 
of wheat into the field, into the ground. In the cold, dark, damp ground, he would put hundreds of bushels of wheat. But then in September, he would take out, the minimum would be at least 10,000, but oftentimes it was 10,000, like 20, 30, even sometimes 40,000 bushels of wheat would come off of those fields. You put in hundreds and you take off thousands. Now, pictures like this are like, seriously, about maybe 25, 30 years old. Um, more recently, my parents have become, some good, have become good friends with some Hutterites on a, uh, from a colony just um, west of Regina. And this is a picture of their seeding operation. Man, oh man, that is, and they had a drone uh, to take, take that, the picture on the right there. That's 80 feet of air seeder. And you see the big kind of trailer or the big cart behind the tractor. You see the air seeder and then you see the, he pulls all of that and that is filled with seed. It's filled with fertilizer and it's going into the ground. And then you see the big semi in the back that has the wheat in it that they brought that's going to go into the ground. I don't have the harvest pictures, but that one, that one would almost make me pass out because it is just so awesome. I think it's like eight or ten combines they have lined up and, 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 and you need that many to take the crop that has, has been growing over that past year. This is the law of the harvest. And whether it is planting a large grain field or you're in the backyard, sowing in generosity moves you and leads you into reaping bountifully. This is the law of the harvest that we see in God's word. This is a law that God has established at the creation of this world. And God is the one who created the seeds. God is the one who owns it all. And, and, and so when we are a giver, we see God blessing, God generously coming behind those who have sown generously, we will reap generously. But it also tells us if we sow sparingly, grudgingly, not cheerfully, out of guilt, we're not going to reap, we're going to reap sparingly. We're not going to reap abundantly. And, and, and yet, if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. This is a promise of God that you can count on. There is a promise returned from God when there is generous grace giving. And, and if you are generous to the Lord, he will be generous back to you. You cannot give God. God is no man's debtor. And when our heart and our motivation is right, we position ourselves under his blessing. Remember a few weeks ago, I told you about a widow in a church where we were pastoring in years ago who came to me and gave her retirement. She gave her life savings to a building project. Our church was desperately in need of a major building expansion, and she came and she said, here's this money. It was, all, it was a brown sealed envelope. The Lord told me to give it, and, and, and I tried to talk her out of it, and yet she scolded me as she, she could, and, and rightfully so. She says, don't you get in the way of, of what God has told me to do. And she said, God has and he will take care of me. She had this beat-up old Dodge minivan that was rusted out. She would clean houses. She didn't have a lot. But there was a ministry in the city of Edmonton that we were close to that heard about her. And, and they had a program where, where people could, would donate cars and they would safety them and make sure they were mechanically sound. And then they would, be, they would give them to people in need. 
And boy, did she ever get a, a sweet set of wheels. I'm telling you, I don't know if she got speeding tickets or whatever, because boy, that thing would go. She had a sweet car. And, and, and there were numerous cars like this for her in the years following that. And God did, and God has continued to meet her needs. Materially, she's not wealthy. Spiritually, she is rich. I told you at the same time that Charlotte and I, along with others in the church, also were committed to sacrificial gifting above and beyond our regular giving towards that same project. And, and Charlotte and I had decided that it meant that we were going to have to hold on to our 15-year-old beater truck a little while longer. There you see Clarice and Nate, quite a bit younger back then. And, and, and instead of upgrading it like we had hoped and we had wanted and kind of planned to, we thought, well, we're going to have to drive it around a little bit longer. And it was a few months later after we made that commitment and started giving towards that in, in installments um, to, to the church, my in-laws came to visit. And, and my father-in-law drove that old truck and he came in and he, he, he's, um, he says it like it is kind of a guy. And he says, I don't want my daughter and Greg kids driving in that, that thing anymore. It's not safe. Now, he didn't say me. I guess he didn't care if I drove it in or not. But um, he says, you need to get a new truck. You need to get a real truck, like a, a bigger truck than this one. And I told him, I said, well, we couldn't. That, that financially, where we're at, we made a decision to give to the Lord in this. And, and, um, and so we were okay with driving around this, this thing a little bit longer. It was a little while later that they called and they said, hey, he said, mom and I decided that, that, that we want you to be able to go. We're, we're excited what you're doing for your church and, and the work there and the giving, but we want to come alongside and we're going to give you a, a sum of money to be able to buy a, a new used truck. And we got a new used truck at, at an auction for a great price. And we're still actually driving that 14-year-old truck around today and it's been a great vehicle for us. And you just see God's provision in that way. But now just wait a minute because this story kind of continues as you see God being faithful, how God gives back, how we give and God gives. But then he gives yet again. And see, that truck, as you can see it, I think that was maybe the day that it was leaving our, our, our house. It wasn't worth much. It was maybe worth $1,000. And, and uh, however, it did have a bit of a reputation around town, especially when Charlotte was driving. But it was also the, the church mascot, and it was called the Silver Bullet. And, and again, the Silver Bullet was probably from her driving it. And... Uh, you know what we ended up selling that truck for? We sold it for $50,000. That's right, $50,000. I'm totally serious about it. You see, there was a farmer in the area who didn't even come to our church, but his kids did, and he came to me one day and he says, I want that truck. I want to buy that truck off of you. He says, but you're not going to get any money out of it. I'm going to give the money to the church. I'm like, great, that's awesome. And he says, I'll match dollar for dollar, up to $25,000, what the church gives towards, um, towards that truck in the next month towards your building fund. And so in that month, the people gave $25,000 in the church, and he matched it, and we got $50,000 for that truck. God's provision. Amazing. A few months later, that silver bullet truck showed up at a car show. Our, our church would put on a car show every year that included, I mean, it was just good redneck, blue-collar fun uh, car show, followed by a, a smoke show that the, even the, the, the police and, and the town council gave us approval to have that sort of thing going on, and so it was a great time. And guess what? That truck showed up. Take a look at the truck. 
There you go. Look at the pipes. Look at the smoke on it. Now, now those were fake pipes, and they even put a sound system in it to kind of make it sound a little bit more mightier, and then they put bald tires on it with some soapy solution so that somehow they could get um, the smoke happening, but it was shortly after that the truck was totaled and uh, is somewhere laid to rest now. But you see God's provision and how God just in creative way and, and in a fun way blesses his children. Now, some of you might be sitting there and saying, well, Milton, that just sounds like a lot of coincidence. Or that sounds a lot like, you know, prosperity gospel teaching, give to get. But it's not that at all. You see, what we're talking about here is biblical, how God desires to provide. And, and listen to this verse in, in Psalm chapter, or Proverbs chapter 3, and there's some other ver- chapters or references there as well. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. In other words, give to him first, first in your best. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. There's some other verses there on the screen that basically say the same thing. You can look it up. And you might say, well, that's Old Testament. That's Old Covenant. We're in the New Testament. We're in New Covenant. That doesn't matter. Well, listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. God will literally pour resources back into our lap as we give to him generously. This is where generously grace giving to God results in some incredible blessings. And we talked about this last week. Generous giving to God results in generous giving back from God. God promises to take care of the giver. Now to clarify, and this is where we walk the fine line, and this is where we have to be so careful, because prosperity teachers will say, give more so that you will get more, so that you will have more to hoard more, and to pad your lifestyle. You see, God will supply, and God will multiply our seed, just as he promised, but the return is not to be on us. The return is not for our own greed, but for greater generosity in sowing. God blesses our giving not so that we consume it on ourselves or to elevate our lifestyle, take us to that next level, to, especially to an outrageous lifestyle or outrageous level. God gives to us so that we can continue to be generous. Look at verse 10. You got to see this. This is so important. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed. Look at the next words, for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. We give, God gives back so we can give all the more, so we can have more to sow so that the harvest of righteousness, the work of God would continue and God's blessing will be returned in so many different ways to us. Sometimes it will be money that he will give so we can bless others. But he will also bless at times in other ways. There will definitely be rewards in heaven for generous giving. 
but sometimes we are richer and we are blessed in so many other ways. We can be filled with joy because we know that our giving has touched the lives of others. That, that when we give, and, and, and we give to our church, when you give to Hope Kelowna, and you hear about lives being changed for eternity, you hear about marriages being strengthened, you see people coming into community, you see youth being discipled, people meeting in groups, you see people trained in ministry, and, and all of this is happening, and, and we get to be part of kingdom growth. We get to be part of God building his kingdom here on this earth, and that will one day be in heaven, and there's a joy about that, a joy and a, a blessing that money cannot buy. You know, some of the most miserable, unhappy, joyless, fearful, empty, angry, ingrown, toenail type of people some of the ones that have, I've just described there, some of those that I've met over the years, in fact, most of them are extremely wealthy people. Wealth does not buy happiness. Instead, it will buy you a lot of grief, a lot of anxiety, and it is not the answer to your problems. It's in being generous. It's in surrendering it and giving it all to God, being stewards of what God has given to us. And look what God promises to do in the life of those that are generous. Verse 8, and this is mind-blowing. Get your pen out because you need some, to do some underlining. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Four alls and one every, and that every basically is, is another word for all. All grace abound to you. God is able to make all grace abound to you, having all sufficiency in all things at all times that you may abound in, in every or in all good works. Those are quite the promises. When God knows that you have a heart to give towards His purposes with a heart of love and want to give love and good deeds, He multiplies it in so many ways. You know, we have a loving Heavenly Father whose heart is more orientated to us than we are to our own children. And He knows our needs. And He will take care of His children. He is saying here, I will, I am able to take care of you. You just got to trust me. But to believe it, that can be another thing. Will you trust Him with your finances? Will you trust him in full surrender in this way? We will trust God as we trust God with our financial future. He will care for us gener generously as we give to him. And not only are we blessed with personal blessings and promises from God, I've just shared some of those with you, there's secondly kingdom blessings that are ours from generous grace giving. Kingdom blessings, and, and, and here's one of the first ones, one of the kingdom blessings, thanksgiving to God. Look at in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous, in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Paul is saying that those who receive the gift will offer a thanksgiving to God because of you. 
the church in Jerusalem, and I think we have a map of that here, and, and we see the church in Jerusalem down on the bottom right was in great famine, great trial, great persecution. They were so discouraged. discouraged. They were in trouble, probably at least 10,000 believers in Jerusalem at that time. And the Macedonian churches of Philadelphia or Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea were poor, and they were giving generously, and yet the rich church in Corinth still weren't generous, and they're the ones that had the money. And, and Paul is saying here, he, he, he just knows that, that as the gift of money, he takes it, he's going to take it in the next year or so to Jerusalem, is just going to bless the people, and there will be thanksgiving to God on their behalf for what they have done. And you know, I believe in so many ways that, that Paul was basically saying, come on, Corinthians, get with it. Because if you do, the joy, you're gonna blow the socks off of those Jerusalem people. They're gonna be so thrilled and so excited as they give thanks to God. You know, here at Hope Kelowna, some of you probably don't know our history, but we have been on the generous receiving side of gifts and blessings from our sending church in Oakville. We have quite a, a just a blessed story uh, from John McMullen and, and others there that, that came alongside and built into our church and our core group. And just to see an elders board and a staff and a congregation that was just so behind the work here. Their partnership in, in the work has been such a blessing to us. We even have a picture here of uh, some of that generosity included seven of us at one point being flown to Oakville in September 2014 for a commissioning service. It was before, um, about a month before we launched as a church and a training weekend because they outfitted us with that trailer that we still currently have and, and that trailer full of equipment, probably $80,000 at least of equipment that they gave to us. You know how they gave it to us? They as a church already have committed 20% of their income they just give away. But then they take a Christmas offering and at that Christmas offering over and above their regular offering they direct gifts in their Christmas money to various causes. And that year they had chosen um, to, to direct their Christmas money offering to a plant in Kelowna and to one in Bramford. Both of them having similar equipment needs hundreds of thousands of dollars it turned out to be that they ended up giving in equipment we were so blessed and when tom and pam brought that trailer and and that truck into Kelowna, there was even greater excitement on behalf of our core group as we got all of this brand new equipment to figure out and to get working on and the thanksgiving to god from the core group in Kelowna for that church in oakville that blessed us and even since then, as groups from our church have gone there for conferences and training, the partnership in the gospel has been incredible. We have been blessed by many coming here, but as our people would go there, that just the regular people in the church would find out, they would see on, on, on the name tag that, that so-and-so was from Kelowna. And they're like, you're from Kelowna? How are things going there? We're praying for you, and we're excited about what God is doing. We're following it online. We're following it on, on, on social media. We're praying for you. The love of the partnership of the body of Christ, of the unity of Christ, 
And together with our other Great Commission churches in, in, in Alberta and others in Canada around the world, there's a unity. And as we give and as we come alongside, encourage and support one another. And my hope and my prayer is that Hope Clone, we started this, but we've got a long ways to go that we would be generous and that we would be able to come alongside in a similar way and come alongside church plants and see Great Commission collective churches planted across our nation and around this world. Here's another kingdom blessing. Not only is there thanksgiving towards God on those who receive for those who have given, but another kingdom blessing is that God is glorified. Look at it in verse 12. It says, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Again, thanksgiving going on, but, but let's continue on here. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. God is being glorified here. God is so glorified when he sees his kids getting along. And you see, in Jerusalem, they were Jews. The Jews did not like the Gentiles. The Gentiles did not like the Jews, but in Christ, we're all one. And when the Gentile church is supporting the Jewish church, there's thanksgiving to God, and God is glorified when he sees his people thanking him. And we ought to, and we, as we thank God, he ends up being glorified in and through it all. As the old hymn goes, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. As we give generously, there is God is being glorified. It's unifying the body of Christ. And so Paul is saying in response to all of this, as we give generously, as we give joyfully, God is saying, the more you give, the more I give back. And the more that we continue to keep giving and investing in the kingdom to support God's people, churches, missionaries, the advancement of the gospel, whether that's locally or globally, more people are being touched, more thanksgiving is happening, there is more glory going to God. It's not about us, it's all about Him. It's how He has multiplied and the work that He does. And lastly, we see that Jesus is worshipped. Look at verse 15, how this ends. Paul says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. As Paul closes this section, he is marveling at the grace of, grace of God in sending Jesus this inexpressible gift to this earth. Now, this is interesting. This word inexpressible, this is the first and only time that it is used in the Bible. Commentators, even linguists, agree that, that Paul actually made this word up. Paul uses the word inexpressible to express what is inexpressible. Isn't that true? He's saying there are no words to properly describe what our God has done for us in sending his son to this earth, in saving us, in redeeming us, in adopting us into his family, in forgiving us of our sins, in wiping that slate clean, taking our sin upon himself and giving us, clothing us in his righteousness and making us adopted sons and daughters of God Most High, joint heirs with Jesus. One day in eternity, we will spend with them forever and ever. Jesus gave everything for our salvation, for our freedom, for our new life. 
What's wrong with us? Are we ready to give him everything? And it starts by turning our eyes upon Jesus. Will we be faithful? Will we be generous in return? I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads in quiet reflection wherever you are sitting at this time and for us to just take a few moments to examine our own hearts. And an important question, just as you examine where you're at, does your life, does my life, the handling of my finances, line up with God's heart and God's affection for us? Am I a generous giver? Am I a generous grace giver? Or am I just a grudgingly, just hit and miss kind of a person? For some that are hearing this, this is a new teaching for you. For some, maybe this is old news and and you are already a grace giver. And it's already flowing from you. And maybe you're one of those that are just begging to give more. But maybe you once were there and you've kind of drifted away from that and it's time to return. Or maybe you've heard this before and you've just gone blah, 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 blah. Because the lust of the eyes, the treasures of this world have caused you to get a clouded vision. And you're not generous. And and it starts with examining. It, It starts with repenting. And it starts with committing. I believe we all have to check our heart in this matter. Your church leadership will be doing this in the coming days and weeks. And I trust that we would all take massive steps starting today and in the weeks ahead to be generous grace givers, that God would unleash a generous spirit in our church greater than what we have seen, greater what we have experienced, and we would just see God's multiplied work take place so that we can be conduits, so we can give and give it away and see God do a greater work. May we not spend our lives and our resources simply on ourselves and our own pleasure. And would our giving result in much thanksgiving? So God, we just even now, we just ask you to do that good work in us. Convict where necessary. Would you expose those areas in our lives? Would we confess? Would we repent? Would we make steps today, this next week, in taking a hard look at, at, at our attitude towards riches and the things of this world, knowing that they are wood, hay, and stubble, they will one day be gone. The cars will rust. The houses will be torn down. The phones will be thrown on the trash heap in the recycle bin somewhere. All of these things we live for, they're meaningless. Only what your kingdom and your people will be forever. And, and perhaps some are s- sitting here and say, but I don't have much. I don't have much to give God. But we're reminded, God, of that story where your son was on this earth. And he gave, uh, as that young boy came with loaves and fishes, he gave it all. There would have been many others there who would have packed the snack that day, who would have consumed the food themselves, but this little boy gave his lunch all away. And as a result of that, just few loaves and fishes, thousands were fed, and we're still talking about that boy today. We'll meet him one day in heaven. Oh God, I pray that gifts large or small, doesn't matter. It's the expression, it's the attitude of our heart. Would you do a good work in each one of us, we pray. 
as we keep our eyes on you, look full in your face, and would the things of this earth become smaller and smaller as we see once again your glory and your grace. Meet us, I pray.